Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki, accompanied by my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. How are you doing this morning, Robert? You know, Ali, you, you really did ask me this, with, and with sincerity, I'm going to tell you, I am very grateful for the humble coffee bean. Because uh, without this coffee bean, I wouldn't be here today. I was not ready for this past week. Oh, it was wild. It, it, it was so wild. It started on Saturday. I woke up and the first thing I watched was that crazy Texas-Alabama game. You know, that had me all hyped for NFL Sunday. So this has been, it's been a wild weekend to say the least. But I think we both can safely say we're not, we're, as surprised as we are, it's not surprising it was a crazy weekend. No, without a doubt. And, and just just from the results alone, you could already see dogs covered eight of the 14 games. Yep. Five outright winners. Home, I, I maybe were initially when I set up power ranks, I, I wanted to give somewhere in the vicinity of two points for the home. Right. Uh, and a couple of exceptions, you know, Seattle, Kansas City, two and a half or three, uh, you know, LA, maybe more like one, maybe even half in some cases. Home teams went five, eight, and one. So, I mean, it's it's not yeah. like it's really, be, you know, a, a factor in more like it has been in previous years, Ali. Yeah, for sure. So let, let's not waste any time and really, you know, let's dig right before I start to gloat about the Giants. Let's uh, let's expand more a little bit on the betting trends. You know, Robert, we did see a record amount of underdogs entering this weekend. You said they covered a lot in the games. Was there anything else, you know, looking at the betting trends that really surprised you this weekend? You know, with um, with the way our, our spreads get laid out, we, we I just literally released our our week's lines a couple of hours ago and so it's it, it's quite a bit of work to figure out where the number should start right versus where we're at today i could already tell you week two's lines have moved pretty significantly in, in right. many pieces and this has nothing to do with injury news or, or whatever have you it's just you know it's 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 a number it's it's going to be you know very dynamic because of you know, the opinions that are out there, you know, these are market movers that are coming in and, you know, having their, uh, their massaging of the numbers. And so we're, we're at a different place where we were just a couple of hours ago. I mean, we kind of knew where you're know, going into this year that, you know, last year was really one of the better years for underdogs pulling out outright upsets, covering uh home team, you know, really not being as, you know, true a favorite as they should be. So when we saw the results come in, you know, one by one, it was just like, I'm, I'm, you know, texting back and forth with my supervisor at the counter. And he's just telling me, okay, here's another win. Oh, by the way, we're, we're, we're plus on this. We're plus on that. Plus on this game, you know, a small minus here, a plus here. And, and it's just figuring, okay, is this just the, the, the general, you know, favor to the over that we're just beating. And it's just from the results that were coming in. Or is it a different thing where it's just analysis, you know, and then you're, you know, paralyzed by having too much of it. I, I think ultimately week one was what I thought it was going to be. And it was just conquering all of the favorites to be over Ellie. Right. Yeah. You know, we really saw a lot of favorites covering, which, you know, I always, we talked about this plenty. I'm heavy on underdogs opening weekend. I thought we'd see a little more under a few more underdogs cover. I think you had some bad breaks. I think the Jaguars looked like they were about to not only cover, but win. And they allowed, you know, a late touchdown to the commanders. You know, there's a few other teams that I thought the Rams would cover at home, but 
you know, it is a crazy football season. So I'm curious, you know, what was the games that like the books lost the most on and what was the game the books won the most on? Uh, if we look at the entire layout, Niners Bears was a big win. Um, Bills Rams was, uh, you know, going back to Thursday, that was a, a win there. Uh, Steelers Bengals was a win. Uh, Packers Vikings, this was one that had uh, early sharp activity, which which brought it down significantly, and, you know, from the spread perspective. Uh, but then obviously, again, favor to over. So that one was kind of balanced. Uh, and then the one game that, you know, really, you know, came in uh, against us was actually uh, the Giants game. Uh, and it's funny, we kind of dovetail right into that. That's the one game that we definitely got, you know, beat up pretty good on. It was, uh, you know, in, in one of the instances where the dog was the right side pretty much from the opening bell. I guess they were listening to the Nothing But Locks podcast. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Going into, I had a pretty good week counting Thursday's game. I was 10 and five against the spread in my pick em leagues. I started the, yesterday morning off slow. You know, I had tough losses. I had the Niners minus six and a half. They didn't cover. I had the Jacksonville Jaguars plus three and a half. They didn't cover. I had the Patriots plus three. They didn't cover. But then, you know, I swept the rest. I swept the entire afternoon. I had the Bucks last night. So overall, 10 and five was a solid start to my week. You know, I told you on the podcast last week, I was pro- I was leaning toward changing from the Bengals to the Steelers. I did the, just that. I was right with that. You know, the Ravens, they were seven and a half point favorite against the Jets. I didn't want to back such a high number, but I ended up doing that. And I'm glad I did switch to the Ravens. So, you know, how did you do with your picks, Robert? Uh, I got to tell you, it was uh, a bit of a hazel. And what I took a look at, we have a a little mini contest that we have here at the casino where you have to uh, well beat the bookie, right? And so it's five games against the spread. Uh, as long as you're better than the bookie, and you know you're, you get a you know, part of the aggregate prize pool each week, you know. And so I'm really not paying too much attention to anything because it's you know just watching all these games and handling the first half, second half wagers as we come, and then of course the witching hour, and you know that brings in all the next set of parlay cards and bets for the afternoon games. And so, uh, again, my supervisor, Chad, checks in with me, goes, yeah, by the way, do you have any idea how you're doing in the, the Beat the Bookie contest against the public? I'm like, uh, nope, I'm, I'm actually uh, afraid to ask. Uh, so we're, we're getting to the Tampa game, you know, late in the afternoon, and he you know, reminds me, hey, take a look at this. I was 4-0 you know, oh, going nice. into it. And then, of course, I had Tampa minus 2.5, and, and so uh, a 5-0 week. Uh, you know, I, I guess we could go ahead and mark that down as an official start to the season, Nally. Yeah, that was great. Uh, in my best bets blog, the five games I chose, I went two for two so far. I have the I have the Seahawks not covering tonight, so I have Denver minus six and a half, so that would round out. But overall, ten and five. You know, I always try to get plus five hundred, over five hundred for the opening week. I always say it's the hardest weekend to handicap because you don't know what you're getting. So overall, I was very happy. I won my fantasy league. And as of now, I'm still alive in my survivor pool because I have Denver again. So we'll see how that goes. But I don't want to waste any more time. So let's get right into the games. You know, Monday morning quarterback overreactions, underreactions, surprises, disappointment. And what a better way to start with our team, the New York Giants. We both like them to cover entering the entering the weekend. I had said on the podcast last week, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's a an upset in fact in our 
internal betting contest, I did take the Giants to upset and they did do that just that. So, you know, Robert, before I go off on my tandem about how impressed I was with Saquon Barkley and the coaching in particular, you know, I want to get your thoughts with this Giants Titans game. It's just, it just didn't really play itself out the way, really. I mean, many people saw that this was going to be happening. I just didn't know just how violent the the Giants were going to play this one. And they played this like it was their last game on the planet. You know, they closed as a five and a half point dog. They won at Tennessee, as you know, the score 21-20. They won yardage, 394 to 359 yards per play was 6.8 to 6. Rushing, my God, 238 rushing yards to 93. And then drive points, which is the way I describe drive points is you you go on a drive of 60 or more yards. uh, And so how many points do you get off of drives like that? They won the drive points 21 to 10. G-Man scored game-winning touchdown. And then, of course, that two-point conversion with 106 left. Uh, Tennessee did win third down. Uh, I mean, they were both bad, you know, on third down, 27% to 20. And they did win the turnover battle two to one. And it's just really everyone just wants to take a look and see how how this came to be. How did they come out with just such like violent fire? Ali, uh, I haven't seen a team play this violently in, in, in quite a bit, at least, you know, not wearing a, a blue blue uniform for the Giants. No, and I I loved every single second of it. I mean, it was a tough first quarter, first half to watch. You know, Daniel Jones had a fumble. The the Giants' offense just looked anemic. You know, again, and it was kind of more of the same. This is what we saw in the Pat Shermer years. This is what we saw in the Joe Judge years. But I had said at halftime the fact that we're only down by two scores. I was like, I still like our chances. You know, I'm I'm always going to be optimistic with my team. And Saquon Barkley was on fire from the beginning. I said before the season, you know, it's going to depend how he does this this season, if he's good or if he's not good. And he really just came out and was just electrifying. He was every bit that what we saw him do in training camp. And I was just blown away about every time he got the ball. He just, he, you know, Robert, he just, he looked like his rookie season. I mean, he just came out on fire. The defense looked really stout. And this is without, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau there and, and some of their other key players. So I was really happy. So, you know, let's go to Daniel Jones, though. What else did you see with him? You know, the accuracy that he showed in the poise in the pocket was what I found, uh, you know, most impressive. Because we know he can start to motor and he can get himself out of the pocket and pick up some yards when necessary. But the patience that he showed was what was really, really impressive. And once they realized that the offensive line was getting control and uh, there was no outside containment because we saw how, you know, Saquon was damaging them and just gushing them, you know, cut, you know, uh, every single attempt that he had was just a, a really, really huge gain. So just in 18 carries alone, we saw what he did. It was just really great to watch that kind of ball control and it really came down to the decision-making of, of Daniel Jones. And I really want to say it's kind of weird because I didn't see this in Daniel Jones the last couple of years. I wonder what was different. Oh, that's right. Sable. Yep. Yeah, you know what? He looked more poised, I thought, this game. You know, he did make errors. He had the fumble. He did throw a costly interception, you know, in the end zone, which really was kind of like a dagger. I thought they would at least get a field goal off of that. 
but he rebounded. And that's something I haven't really seen from him his, his past few years in the league. You know, he wasn't phased by it. It was like kind of Eli Manning-esque almost. Like you would always see that with Eli. He would throw an interception, but when it came down to the two-minute drill, you just trusted he was going to get you in a position to win. So while I'm not, you know, ready to overreact and say this is the Daniel Jones we have been waiting for because he still has to cut down on the turnovers. He can't make costly errors like that. It is a very promising sign. I thought that the offensive line looked looked pretty good, you know, not great, but I thought that there was definitely improvement there. But, you know, I have to say, you know, I think we finally found our head coach in the ball. What do you think? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. He, um, you know, look, there's no denying the success that was happening upstate New York uh, was was something that, you know, every franchise was looking at. And I'm just really glad that, you know, th this is going to have a definite, definite different look. Um, it was, as I said, it, it was a kind of game, even if they would have lost, Ali, I, I'm really impressed with how the Giants would have played. The win, you know, the field goals yesterday was just at this point you might want to just start thinking about just going for two you know or at or at the very least go for it on fourth down because you know many of these kickers are just having themselves quite the day uh just all around great performance and i'm just really pleased with uh you know what happened after one week here yeah um, and it really giants. looked toward the end you know when they were when the tennessee was driving again the giants made two really bad defensive interference penalties and I was just like, this is my Giants team that I know. You know, we come back. Everything looks promising. Now we're going to give up a field goal. And I almost couldn't watch the field goal. Like, like I was, like, cringing. And then when 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 he missed it, when it went wide, I was just floored. Like, it was, like, like everyone else in the other room I was at a party was watching the Chargers Raiders. And I'm the only one screaming in the other room. I had the game on my phone watching the Giants. So, you know, before we move on, you know, I just want to emphasize this, Robert. And I'm not just, you know, being a blowhard with my team right now, you know, just trying to drive them up. But this is a team, you know, say what you want about the Titans, no A.J. Brown anymore, no Harold Landry. Like, this is a team that was the number one seed in the AFC last year. And the Giants went into Nashville and beat them in their home turf. You know, say what you want. That's impressive. That's probably one of the most impressive things I think the Giants could have done opening week. And now you look at their schedule coming up. You know, they play Carolina at home, who Carolina didn't look any bit impressive, any bit improved against the Browns. They should have beat the Browns that game, and they didn't. And I don't want to hear, you know, everyone complaining about that roughing the passer call at the end because that was the least of their problems. They had a terrible game. And then the week after that, they go and play the Cowboys, who are going to be without Dak Prescott. And then the week after that, they have the Bears. Robert, am I crazy to say the Giants could be 4-0 and to start the season? <laughs> Ali. I will absolutely take the fifth on that. <laughs> if, they if they run the table, I will absolutely do laps around the city of Reno. Uh, you know, I am, I'm going to be very, very impressed, first off, as, as they lay themselves out and prepare, you know, for, for the games to come. Uh, I will, I would love to go and, and follow right along with you. You know, let me just say this right now, Ali. Yep. You're, you're running the bandwagon. It's yours. I will openly admit that on the 12th day of September, uh, I will be jumping on uh, and, and just following everything that you do uh, as we raise this New York Giants banner once again. 
<laughs> Listen, I said again, I said when we were doing our over under, you know, the seven wins, I said, I didn't want to be optimistic. I'd rather be pleasantly surprised than disappointed. Right. So that's why I took the under. But I mean, Robert, it just, you know, when Dak went down, I hate to say it last night when I was watching the game. And I like immediately, like, I hate to say it, but my first thing was, when do we play the Cowboys again? Oh, we play the Monday night. He's out for the next few weeks. I'm like, this this couldn't have been scripted better a better way for the New York Giants to start their season so I mean if the, it, you know they have to keep it up they have to stay consistent you know it, Daniel Jones has to keep improving you know he can't just have this one game and and that be it but I really I really like our chances I really like how this team looks I think Brian DeBall was the coach that we needed you know he's not the drilled sergeant that Joe Judge was or the meat guy that Pat Shermer was you know, it seems like the players really gravitate toward him. I mean, he had them all hyped up before that two-point conversion, you know, asking what they thought he should do, and they were all for it. Let's go for the win. So I think that the locker room is very happy today. I think they had a nice plane ride back from Nashville to New York, and I think that I think they're ready. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic. I think that's fair to say, right? Of course it is. They were surely more ready than many of the franchises. Yeah. Now, well, before we get into because I could probably talk about this win for the entire hour, but let's move on to some of the other games, which we were surprised on. Now, I highlighted a few that I really wanted to talk about. And number one, because I know it'll play to to you guys since you're you're not far from the Bay Area and same thing. I'm in L.A. I'm not too far from the Bay Area, but that's the Niners and the Bears. I mentioned that the Niners were one of my favorite picks this weekend. I thought the Bears were so bad on offense. I had no idea how they were going to find a way to score against the Niners defense, which many believe, and I do as well, that it's one of the top defenses in the league. And everything looked like what I thought it was. I mean, the Niners were up 10 nothing. I didn't think the Niners were going to score a, a ton of points behind Trey Lance, but I thought it would be comfortable. And then out of nowhere, you know, Justin Fields scrambles from what should have been a sack to finding a wide open Dante Pettis for a 51-yard touchdown. And then they just, the momentum just totally shifted. So, you know, Robert, what do you think about this Niners Bears game? Yeah, this was an absolute slop house. I mean, you know, obviously Chicago closed, uh, you know, quite the dog, almost a touchdown. And six and a half is what they closed as the dog uh, with the upset in those wet conditions. They won those drive points 13 to three, again, at the drive of 60 or more yards. Turnovers, they've got two to one. Red zone touchdown percentage, they scored twice in the red zone, uh, you know, to 33% for the 49ers. You know, the Niners did win the yardage battle, 331 to 204 yards per play was almost five to three and a half. Uh, And, you know, they were clipping well on third downs, you know, 47% to 36. They even outrushed them, 176 to 99. So how did they lose, right? So they did have those two fourth down failures. Bears were really helped by that insane 51-yard touchdown pass play on the scramble, you know, but in Alley, there really wasn't much offense beside that. It was only like 153 yards, real puny yards per play, you know, so Fields, you know, outside of that big one, he was 7 of 16, uh, you know, 54 yards. So Lance, you know, 13 of 28, uh, 155 yards, you know, look, Conditions were impossible for quarterbacks, you know, much less the rest of, you know, both sides of the ball. I think both of them were really just way, way overmatched yesterday, and it it just played itself out over on the playing field. 
I just honestly think it, you, you just look at the couple of freak plays, the Niners not not you know getting the fourth down conversions, and there you have it, upset city. Yeah, I mean, you know me. I wasn't a big Trey Lance or Justin Fields fan to start this game, and I agree with you, though. It, it was very, very bad conditions, so I'm not going to totally knock them, but, I mean, Robert, just, you know, even before it really started getting sloppy, sloppy like, I was wondering if they were going to take Trey Lance out and put Jimmy Garoppolo in at one point. Like, I really, I really thought that Kyle Shanahan was going to try and win the game, but I understand why he didn't because, you know, what's that going to look like first game of the season? You bench the guy, you basically are putting your franchise around. But, I mean, this this the season couldn't have started any worse for the Niners, I believe, because we talked about how, they, how Trey Lance should get a cakewalk to start the season. They get Chicago, then they get the Seahawks. They should be 2-0 and in the next few games as they start the hard part of their schedule with the Rams and whatnot. Now they're 0-1. You know, can can you think of a worse start to the Niners year, Robert? No, yeah, this this was definitely unexpected. I don't think anyone had uh, the Bears uh, winning uh, outright. You know, in in Chicago against San Francisco. You know, and and with that being said, you know what what do we have to look forward to in Week Two, in Week Three, Four, Five? I have a feeling, Allie, that you have uh, quite the itchy trigger finger to get Jim Garoppolo back in. So with that being <laughs> said, if we see another loss, and then a third loss. They're 0-3. Do you look to make a change of quarterback? I mean, I do. Yeah, absolutely. If if, Listen, this is a Niners team. This isn't a rebuilding team. This is a team that went to the NFC Championship for the, the second time in three seasons last year. They were actually one score away, you know, from going back to the Super Bowl. You know, they had the final drive, and Jimmy Garoppolo floundered it. But this is a team that's not rebuilding. So for me, I don't give Trey Lance a long leash. You know, this isn't a situation where it's, you know, you go, you leave him look like the Bears with Justin Fields. We know the Bears aren't going to be anything this year. He has, he's going to have another year to prove himself if it goes bad. Look at all the season Daniel Jones had, you know, we we all knew the Giants weren't going to be good. You, You know, you look at some of the other guys that he was drafted along with. Zach Wilson, we know the Jets are still rebuilding. He's going to have, uh, he's going to have a long leash. Same with Trevor Lawrence. Trey Lance doesn't have a long leash. Trey Lance has to win today. And, you know, the more, and I know Sam, I have, I know a lot of people that are San Francisco fans out there. They're going to be watching. And as the losses pile up, if this guy's winning, they're going to say, why did we bench Garoppolo? We know what we had with Garoppolo. You know, maybe he's not a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen, but he knows how to win us games. I mean, is, is do, what do you think? You're you're up there too, Robert. What are you seeing with Niners fans? No, I I could, I could see that it was a lot of disappointment, right? And that being said, you still have to go ahead and face September 18th. So you know, even before we know the result of tonight's Denver Seattle game, San Francisco has to host Seattle, uh, you know, in, in the afternoon game next week and week number two. Uh, we've already installed them as eight and a half. There is a nine out there. Uh, eight and a half point favorite hosting Seattle uh, by way of comparison, Chicago, uh, you know, we did come up with that slop win uh, They're in green Bay. Uh, and that's not stopping, you know, a very solid 10 for the Packers uh, as the favorite uh, for the Sunday night game against the Chicago bears. So <laughs> really, you know, it, it's turn the page time. You can't, you, you, you do have to go ahead and, and make sure that you take the notes and make the necessary adjustments. But Ali, I, I, 
want to just toss this one. I want to just toss it, give them a mulligan, and and take a look and see what what happens on the non chaos if we can. You know, kind of funny me, you know, talking about uh, no chaos when they're playing with an oblong ball. Uh, but it's it's the way it is. I I do want to see what happens in week two. Then I could pretty much start to say, well, maybe I can make, start making adjustments to my power rankings. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I will give them one more week. But if if Lance struggles against a team as bad as the Seahawks, I mean, it's it's get, just going to go downhill from there. You know, I don't I don't know how much longer you're going to throw him out to the Wolves. I mean, they drafted him thinking he was going to be the next Patrick Mahomes. And I was talking to my friend yesterday about it. And, you know, Pat, Patrick Mahomes, when you saw him at Texas Tech, you just knew. I used to do a lot of his highlights with when I was at Fox Sports. You just knew he was going to be great. What he could do in college, it was just you knew he was going to be great. When you watch some of Trey Lance, because I did watch some of his college stuff after he was drafted, you know, I saw a lot of potential. I saw a lot of raw talent, but I didn't see greatness. So you're you're going to have to determine pretty quickly if you're trying to compete for this year. If this year's a throwaway for you, then that's fine. You know, let him have the whole year to start. Let him have go through the growing pains that a lot of, you know, young franchise quarterbacks do, do that. But when you look at like what some guys, Robert, have done in recent years, some second year guys, you know, Joe Burrow with the Bengals, second year took him to the Super Bowl. He turned a losing team that had four wins the season before to a Super Bowl team. So, you know, you're going to get those comparisons a lot. And if Trey Lance doesn't step up in the next few games and show him that, I mean, it, you know, it's not like it used to be where it's, it's you know, you start a few games, you we know you're going to struggle, we'll give you a leash. Like, this is it. And I think once you bench Trey Lance and bring in Garoppolo, I mean, I don't know how you justify then giving him back. And if Garoppolo succeeds, I don't know how you justify giving Trey Lance a starting job back to you. No, you're absolutely right. And that's, I mean, we look at, you know, guys that were just drafted in the last few years, Mahomes, you know, Herbert, uh, obviously Joe Burrow. I think, man, we're, we're really seeing like a, an incredible amount of talent coming in and succeeding wildly beyond expectations. And now, obviously, now that we know how good they are, we expect them to stay at that level, and they, 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 they've been doing that. Let's just forget about the Borough performance yesterday for just a, a quick 30 seconds. Yeah, right. I, I want to take and give this entire season to Trey Lance as a starter, taking 60, 70, 80 snaps a game. Then we can go ahead and, and declare him either time to move on or, <laughs> you know, welcome to the league. Yeah, I and that's the right way to go. It just I don't know what the Niners' intentions are because if you do want to compete, you know you can't throw games to the Bears. You can't, and if if you lose to Seattle, like those are your two chances to win. So you got to make up your mind quick whether or not this is a year where you're going to compete, or this is a year where you're just going to say, hey, you know what? We think we have a franchise quarterback. We're going to let him go play, learn all the basics, make as many mistakes as he has to get out of his system, and that's it. But I know we could go on about Trey Lance all day, but I'm sure before we do move on that you pro your books probably feel a little more confident considering the number of MVP wagers you got for Trey Lance. Am I right? Yeah, I don't have to worry about that pool anymore. <laughs> Very well said. Well, let's move on to another game, which we'll start. We'll go back to the opener because, I mean, let's go to the Bills and the Rams from last Thursday. I, Robert, was, was, I wasn't surprised how well the Bills played. I thought the Bills would play very well. I think I was surprised at how 
bad the Rams played. What was your take on that? I felt that, you know, looking at how the game played itself out, I mean, for the first 10 passes, Allen was perfect for the Buffalo Bills. He There was not a single mistake that he was making. And every hole that, you know, that they were creating was exploited on offense. Defensively, I, was it something that we could simply point to Stafford really not being as healthy as we think he was? Uh, was it the offensive line? Was it just not being able to find the tools that he was given, you know, to, to run an offense? I mean, there were, there were so many places that I could say, okay, well, are the Rams this bad? Are the Bills this good? Uh, and I really couldn't figure out until the very end when I said, well, no, the Bills actually are this good. They're on the road. Everyone knew this game was coming. It was circled on the schedule. It's the start of the year. You're prepared for this. You're at home. You should be dominating it. And they weren't. And they were manhandled on the line. They got no outside containment. And then, you know, the, the play that I just pretty much said, okay, I can, you know, move on and start concentrating on, on other things is when uh, you know, the pass was complete to Diggs uh, and it just left, you know, the defense, you know, completely left-footed. And it, it just, just really couldn't believe how much control and, and how much, you know, of a tactical touch that Allen has, he's he's better than ever, better than ever, Allie. Yeah, I mean, I said right after the game, I was like, Josh Allen's the MVP this year, and there's and there's no question about that. So, I mean, the thing I saw the Rams is I don't think Stafford did look completely healthy at all. I really don't. I, I think that he 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 kind of just fell back and threw to Cooper Cup a lot. For me, Stafford just relied too much on Cooper Cup. Like he didn't look to integrate Allen Robinson at all. Like like Allen Robinson had two targets the entire game and one was at the last minute. So I mean, Robert, it was. Are we seeing with this Rams team? Did everything just go right for them last year, and they're really not as good as we thought? Perhaps. I will go ahead and, and and ride alongside with that thought for just a moment, Allie. Number one, where was Allen Robinson? I just said one week ago that he was in top form, possibly poised for the best year of his entire career, just because of how great he looked during preseason. So they completely forgot about him as a target. Number two, is Cam Akers even on this team? <laughs> from 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 judging from oh, the box, many fantasy uh, owners want to know that <laughs> I, I I don't think he's on the team. Uh, you know, so there were there were key contributors to the Super Bowl season that they had last year that were just non-factors in this game at home against Buffalo. I thought that that should have been something that should have been addressed, uh, and and it wasn't. Ali, I I really think that if we would have seen more of a balanced attack that things would have gone significantly more different. Yeah, for sure. Let's move on to the other team that made the Super Bowl, and that's the Bengals. You know, you like the Steelers to cover. I changed my pick the last minute to like the Steelers to cover. And not only did they cover, but they won. You know, what was your take from that game? Uh, fabulous. So, you know, the Steelers, you know, we, we saw them close as a seven-point dog. They did win in Cincinnati. 23 to 20, of course, we saw, uh, you know, the overtime finish. They won turnovers. This is this is just staggering. They they had the turnover margin 5-0 in their favor. 
Uh, red zone touchdown percentage was 50% to 40%. Uh, Cincinnati won yardage, 462 to 267. They won third downs, 50% to 27%. Yards per play, almost equal, four and a half. Uh, however, what was really impressive is that Pittsburgh had 94 plays to just 61 for Cincinnati. Again, we're talking about ball control. That was really huge right there. Drive points, uh, six against zero, and then they outrushed them 133 to 75. You know, Allie, the, the Pittsburgh did have that interception return for a touchdown early, along with the five giveaways. Cincinnati missed a point after. They missed a 29-29 yard field goal try. You know, remember that Burrow's offseason prep was marred, you know, by that ruptured appendix. So that's really what I'm going to hope is wrong with Cincinnati. Uh, Trubisky, uh, you know, he, he had, you know, a, a good day of managing it. You know, he only had the 13 offensive points in, in regulation, but it was good enough to win on week number one. Yeah, I mean, I was more surprised with, you know, I thought that the Steelers, that's kind of what changed my mind. I thought they could be a sneaky good team behind Trubisky because people forget, even though Roethlisberger isn't there, Roethlisberger wasn't good last year. Like, I, I think you if you gave, like, pretty much anyone the ball, even Trubisky last year, the ball over Roethlisberger, they would have been much better than they are. So this was still a good team. What surprised me is kind of like you said, uh, Joe Burrow is not going to throw four interceptions every game. He, he didn't seem – it seemed like he was a bit rusty to start. And I don't know if that's because he did have that appendix surgery in – appendix surgery in the offseason. Maybe he's not fully there yet. But, I mean, he did show flashes of why he's great. So this is a team, you know, I'm not – if I'm the Bengals, I'm not too worried. This was a division rival. We, you know, we, we did come back. We lost in overtime. I it, Let me ask you this, Robert. Are you more worried today if you're the Rams or the Bengals? I'm more worried if I'm the Rams. 100% agree. I, I mean, if, if I'm the Rams, it's literally you got embarrassed on your own turf in the game that everyone had their eyes on and you did not look like a Super Bowl team. You know, at least, like I said, the Bengals came back. The Bengals really put in fight. The Rams looked like they had no fight. There was no sense of urgency, even when they were down by a lot. If if I'm Sean McVay, I'm already looking to see which trade I could make, you know, before midseason. I'm calling o Odell Beckham Jr. Hey, are you there? I'm seeing, you know, if, if Andrew Whitworth is going to come out of retirement. I mean, this team, I think, you know, they did lose a lot on defense. So I think they're going to have to make big adjustments. What do you think? So I, I honestly am now I'm thinking about and formulating just just how I want to position is I really do think Buffalo is this good. I do. They, they go on the road and they it was it was clinical precision, 31 points. It was not even a problem putting that kind of uh, total up on the board. So. As I look towards week number two, I think the Rams bounce back really, really well. Uh, we've got them as a 10-point favorite at home against Atlanta. So I, I think that they're going to see a, a major adjustment in their favor. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Cincinnati, if we go ahead and take a look and we compare the two, you know, which one do we think is more in trouble? Cincinnati is going to be playing in Dallas in week number two. And I've got them, <laughs> despite this loss, uh, a seven-point favorite in Dallas going into week number two, which we'll touch on later in the week. But in, in terms of bounce back, 
I think that we see, you know, both of them do bounce back well into their favor in week number two. Uh, but if I'm, uh, you know, choosing who am I more concerned about, uh, without a doubt, Ali Rams. Yeah, 100%. And a quick preview. I do love, even though those are high numbers, I love both of those favorites week two. You know, the Rams are going to have 10 days to really sit and hear all the criticism against them. The Bengals, you know, they're going to get to play the Cowboys against Cooper Rush. I mean, I don't, I don't think that there's much more to say about that. But I do like both of those teams to rebound. But I do think the Rams are in a bit of trouble. I, I really, I, I think that they they have to make some serious adjustments. And number one is, you know, on offense, they really got to figure out how Matt Stafford could just get away from using just Cooper Cup. But let's move on to another team, which I like the Vikings. You like the Packers going into the weekend. The Vikings did win. I was only more confident in my pick after we we received word that Alan Lazard was going to be out along with Daniel Bakhtiari. I think those are two key players for for the Packers. So, you know, what did you when watching that game, what did you take out of it, Robert? Yeah, Minnesota, uh, they were, you know, up early and it, it really didn't look like Green Bay was going to be making much noise until yeah, as a matter of fact, Green Bay didn't score until they were down 20 to nothing. Uh, you know, they got out yarded by the Vikings, 395 to 338. Yards per play was a full yard higher, six and a half to five and a half. Uh, it got outrushed. You know, we were talking about Green Bay's, you know, vaunted, you know, double-headed attack. They got outrushed 126 to 111. Uh, turnovers, uh, Minnesota won that two nothing. You know, Green Bay also had those two fourth down failures. You know, both of them are one and three in the red zone. I think just looking at raw stat doesn't really tell us much because the Vikings were simply more dominant uh, than those raw stats make it seem, Allie. Um, ultimately, what I what I saw right there was just the, the, the I mean the the look the look on Aaron Rodgers' face after some of the incompletions pretty much says it all. And uh, Christian Watson, sir. Um, you're not doing yourself any favors right now. <laughs> no, and they want Alan Lazard back ASAP. And I, that's why I said I think Odell Beckham's the favorite to go to the Packers once he's available from injury because Rodgers needs help. And Lazard's not going to just be the one that solves all of that. That was the one thing I, I took away from it. But what surprised me, I mean, tell me if you disagree. Like, what was going on with the defense? You know, how do you allow Justin Jefferson to just get open like that and run against you? What do you think about that? You know, I, I think we're seeing uh, a a really huge leap in development, you know, in, in Justin Jefferson. We thought he was good last year. Wait until the encore comes this year. I think we already saw a taste of things to come in week one. I actually think he's getting better. Yes. And, and yep. there's, there's without a doubt you're going to see something that, you know, we could see. You know, once every 10 years out of Justin Jefferson, he's just that good at home. Maybe it was the home thing. Maybe it was just him knowing every nook and cranny of, of that turf. But boy, did he look so, so good. I, I actually think we're going to see one of the greatest seasons ever from a wide receiver, you know, this year in Justin Jefferson. I agree. I was telling everyone in fantasy, you know, when it comes to drafting a wide receiver, draft Jefferson over Jamar Chase and draft him over Cooper Cup. I really like Jefferson a lot. And I like the Vikings. I said from the beginning, I think that they're one of the more underrated teams. I really like the hire with Kevin O'Connell coming from the Rams. I think that this team really, you know, they were done with you. They were done with the old management, you know, the Mike Zimmer days and everything. 
I really like the Vikings. I think they're going to be a wild card team. I think they're going to give the Packers that the Packers don't do something about the receiving core. They're going to give them a run for that division title. So I think the Vikings are pretty happy today. I mean, they they played great. Uh, there's not much more to dissect with that. Her cousins looked phenomenal. You know, Dalvin Cook was was solid. So this is a team, you know, they might need a, a one or two more pieces on the defense, maybe to up it. But I think the Dolphin, I think the Vikings fans should be feeling really good today. So let's move on to the night game of last night, the Bucks and the Cowboys, which everyone thought was going to be, you know, an offensive shootout. It was going to be a high scoring game. I think the total was around 50 before kickoff. And it was pretty much one of the most the biggest duds of the day. Now, what did you see in the Bucks Cowboys game, Robert? So yeah, Tampa Bay definitely is an interesting bet on against. Their offensive line to me at the preseason was a big concern, but it looks like Brady definitely can negate that. He's just so quick, you know, that the time to throw, you know, of almost any quarterback in week one. He looked like, well, he looked like Tom Brady. Uh, I think Bulls wants to run more. He said that all preseason. He, you know, he said it at the half, you know, and only I think Chicago and San Francisco had more early down runs in week one. So they definitely had success running, but I'm wondering if this was due to that really soft, viable Dallas defense. You know, what we saw how good, you know, the passing offense can be, especially with Leo Jones looking as good as he did. Uh, I mean, it's we, we could be looking at a really dynamic season out of Tampa Bay once again, Ali. Yeah, and to me, I said before the season, Leonard Fournette was going to be a beast this year, and he looked like he was going to be a beast last night. Uh, the biggest thing for me, I wasn't actually that surprised that Tampa played well. I thought they would be a little more dynamic on offense, on offense, but the Dallas defense is good. You know, Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs. So that really didn't surprise me. I just, you know, this is before Dak got injured. The Cowboys offense, you know, Robert, let me ask you this. When are we going to start, you know, calling for the torches for Mike McCarthy? Because whether or not Prescott got injured or not last night, they lost pretty badly, and their offense was non-existent. And don't forget, this is a team that traded Amari Cooper for a fifth-round pick in the offseason. So, you know, is Mike McCarthy the number one coach on the hot seat coming, you know, today? I, I'm, I'm with you. It's just ugly, ugly, ugly performance. Uh, you know, they, they got 244 yards of total offense. And there were games that Zeke Elliott had that many yards by himself. Yeah, I get it. You know, it's a different offense. It's a, it's a different look altogether. But when you get out yarded five and a half to only like 3.8, third down conversions is 20%. Uh, red zone touchdown percentage, I mean, well, <laughs> Dallas didn't score. So yeah, that's a zero. You know, Dallas had three fourth down failures. It's, it's just an ugly game all around. So, But I what I do know is... Tampa, Tampa's going to be good. We know what we're going to get from Tampa. It's a crisp, quick passing offense that's difficult to defend, even more so if Godwin can get healthy. You know, they were making really great catches. Julio Jones, I again, I, I mentioned him a moment ago. He's he, he looks completely rejuvenated. Shocker. That's kind of what Brady does. But it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter, Allie, if, if Dak Prescott's healthy or not. It just doesn't matter because that offensive line gave him nothing, nothing at all. There no, there's no time for anything. And, and now you're going to tell me you're you're looking at Cooper Rush for the next two months? Yeah. Get out of here. No, it's it is it is go time to get a real new fresh look at this offense. 
um, and, and, uh, and probably a new set of leaders because what happened yesterday with all the prep time that you had, that's not a good look. No, not at all. And you maybe they're calling up for Jimmy Garoppolo as we speak. Who knows? Yeah, how about it that? wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, no, I think they are in trouble with Cooper Rush. I, you know, they do have a tough schedule coming up. Like, you know, you said Bengals and the Giants and Giants, you know, I still think we're good. Uh, it's not going to be a cakewalk for them. So let's move on to another game, which I was just totally disappointed with Baker Mayfield's performance against his former team with the Browns. So he did put him in a position to win at the end. There was that questionable roughing the passer call against Jacoby Brissett that might have given the Browns, you know, a, a better advantage that they scored the, the game-winning field goal. But what did you see about Baker Mayfield yesterday, Robert? Yeah, I more so with, with that when we saw, obviously, the result being what it was. Uh, Carolina really did, you know, quite a bit of work in, in, in doing what they could to get themselves in place. But it was more their defense alley that I had a real problem with. Their defensive line. They were just getting blown off the line, you know, yeah. way too often. And, and when you do that and you're getting ball control taken away from you, it doesn't really matter what Baker Mayfield can do or not. You know, they were 36% on third down. I mean, Carolina, again, maybe it's not so much Baker Mayfield, but they only had 54 yards rushing. Uh, you know, they, they did have yeah. – um, they did win the yards per play slightly. Uh, red zone touchdown percentage was two out of three. I mean, Cleveland was leading 20 to seven in the fourth. You know, they needed a 50 yard, 58 yard field goal to win with eight seconds. Uh, so I, I don't think that you really are pointing the finger at Baker Mayfield today, Ali. Yeah, I mean, he was disappointing in the first half to start with. Like, I thought he was going to come out blazing. I thought he was really going to, you know, have chemistry with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, who we didn't really see much of DJ Moore at all. I thought they would utilize Christian McCaffrey a lot more than they did. But for me, I think if anything, you know, as much as I am disappointed in Baker Mayfield, I think to me, this just goes to prove Matt Rule is not an NFL head coach. You know, am I wrong to say that, Robert? Yeah, I, this this was not the start that he, he needed. Uh, and it's actually not really kind of out of the norm. Like we, we saw what he's indicative of. And in, you know to see this kind of a performance, I mean, for the longest time, everyone said, "Okay, well, okay, Baker Mayfield's going to be heading to Carolina, and you get to play your team that you just got traded away from. Everything that you yep. wanted, all the headlines you needed, were right there." Um, they didn't. They didn't finish the job. And, and again, more importantly, is that their defense was just getting blown apart every right. single time. It was you know Hunt and Chubb just did whatever they wanted to. Because their offensive line was just blasting massive holes every single snap. It was as disappointing as you can get. But for me too, I mean, I think Matt Rule's the first coach to get fired. I think I think if the if the Carolina Panthers start out really bad, then you're gonna see, you know, Matt Rule get fired midseason because you know, Baker's not gonna be the scapegoat right here. This is a guy that hasn't had any success whatsoever. So you know, I don't think there's too much more to say. This was kind of a letdown of a game of one that I was truly excited for. But, you know, we're, we are running out of time. We only have about 10 minutes left. So let's quickly go through some of the other games. Let's start Jacksonville and the Commanders because this was one of my favorite bets was taking the Jacksonville Jaguars plus three and a half. It looked when they took the 22-20 lead, they were going to do that. 
But I don't know. This was a Doug Peterson coach failure, in my opinion. What's your take? Yeah, absolutely, Ali. I mean, this they brought in Carson Wentz. Yeah, did he have himself, you know, a managed game? Yes. Again, it was against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I just don't think that the Jaguars, honestly, Ali, they're, they're just not ready for prime time. I, I again, what we took a look at during you know our lead up into the the regular season, we looked at their season win total breakdown. It's going to be what I think it is. You know, they did manage to get up early. You know, they ran out of gas late and, you know, they ended up losing to a team that honestly, you know, really is not that impressive. You know, so when we look at it at the very end, I think that it was what it was expected to be. I have really no faith in any kind of success in, you know, Carson Wentz and their offense because after all, they play Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, there's not much. I, I didn't think the Commanders were impressive. I didn't think Jacksonville was impressive. So we don't have to spend too much more time at this. But let's look at an interesting game that I actually had fun watching when I wasn't watching the Giants because it was on at the party that I was at. And that's the Chargers and the Raiders. For me, you know, I don't think that as much as we were just talking about Justin Jefferson before and how good he is, Devontae Adams is just great. I mean, is there any argument to that? No, none at all. Not at all. Well, absolutely one of the best in the league. Yeah, he's just he's phenomenal. And for me, if anything, it just proved that Derek Carr is not the quarterback for the Raiders if they want to go to the Super Bowl. What do you think? Yeah, I I would probably say if we're looking at, you know, what were the faults from yesterday? I mean, the pieces were there to pick up a win for the Raiders. But Ali, I mean, Derek Carr, and he's kind of responsible for this. Uh, he threw three interceptions, fumbled the ball and lost it twice. Uh, is QBR uh, didn't even crack 70. I thought that they had a chance to win this game, but yep. at the very end, you know, just couldn't put it all together despite the weapons that he had around them. Yeah, I mean, I thought Justin Herbert looked great. I thought the Chargers looked great, but you know, the Raiders, I think Derek Carr lost that game because I think the Raiders should have easily won that game had Carr not thrown three interceptions. But, you know, I'm sure we'll see when they rematch how that looks. So let's move on quickly to the Chiefs and Cardinals, because I don't have much to say. I knew the Chiefs were going to win in a blowout. I mean, the Cardinals with the, their injury list, that's one thing. But I said this team's not the same without DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think Kyler Murray is as great as everyone says he is. I don't think he has – he has he's just not a leader to me. I said it is his, you know, off-the-field issues in the past. Not so much that he, you know, does bad things off the field, but his just his attitude's bad. So what did you take away from this game? Yeah, Ali, you're right. And I really don't have much more to add. I mean, even with Hopkins, um, you know, they're still in trouble. I think, honestly, you know, they still lose, just not by 20. I mean, look, Aaron Rodgers loses Devontae Adams. He struggles. Derek Carr gets Devontae Adams. He struggles. Mahomes, he loses Tyreek Hill. What does he do? Yeah, let me go ahead and just throw five touchdowns. Yeah, it's amazing. Patrick Mahomes is great, and he's going to be right there with Josh Allen, I think, to be an MVP candidate. And, you know, as many people thought that the Chiefs were going to take a step back, I mean, I, I, I thought they would take a little bit of a step back, but they just look as dominant as ever. And this is a team that, I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs. You know, you have them winning the division. I think they'll be right there challenging the Chargers and the Broncos for that division title. It'll be fun how it plays out. But the Cardinals, to me, they're just going downhill. And someone's going to have to take the fall, whether that's King Cliff Kingsbury, whether that's Kyler Murray. It's going to have to be one of those guys. But I think we're in for a train wreck for them all season. And another team I, you know, I think that I was high on, but I'm starting to fade on, is the Patriots. You know, 
I said last week I really liked them to potentially upset the Dolphins. I thought they would definitely cover. I thought it was going to be a field goal game. But if there was a team that could have come out more flat than the Patriots did yesterday, I'd like to know what team was that. Maybe the Cowboys because the Patriots just looked flat. They didn't look like they had a game plan. You know, what was your take with the Patriots and the Dolphins? I'm so glad that you mentioned that they looked flat because this finally has something to do with uh, another favorite subject of mine, science. Allie, it was so blisteringly ugly hot in Miami yesterday. I mean, you know that the visitors don't have any kind of covering inside that stadium, whereas Dolphins do. That's on purpose. So baking the entire time just melting away in that humid muck and that's exactly what happened they just got just smeared and you 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 don't feel good how do you expect to perform even at peak i honestly think this has a lot more to do with the temps affecting the patriots far more than the dolphins and that's why they just look just like they really wanted to go back home yeah, they definitely did. I mean, Mac Jones looks every bit like he's regressing. And I don't even want to build the Dolphins up that much. I know Tyreek Tyre Hill had a great day, too. had a solid day. But I, I think that they played a weak Patriots team. You mentioned they had a, some injuries entering the game. So I think today's an overreaction for Miami Dolphins fans. But I don't think it's an overreaction to say the Patriots are in trouble. I mean, they could finish, you know, around where the Jets are. That's how bad I thought they looked yesterday. And Bill Belichick just looked like he was just apoplectic about how his team played. So whether or not that translates to wins, we'll see. But then we have two more games to recap very quickly. Colts and Texans, both you and I both like the Texans to cover that, but I didn't think the Texans would come out with a near win. I mean, they tied them. So what did you see, Robert, in this game? You know, are we, should we be worried at all with the Colts? Was it just, you know, Matt Ryan getting used to his offense? Or are the Texans actually a surprisingly decent team? What did you think? A little bit of both, Valley here. Quickly, the Texans, underrated. Absolutely underrated. They performed the way I expected them to. I knew that they could spark some, some offensive plays together and, you know, build together a little bit of a streak. That's how they got up in front really early. I mean, but the Texans are still the Texans, right? So defensively, they melted late. They gave up the points that I thought they would. But the bottom line is this. You know, Allie, a little bit of trivia here. The, the Colts have had six different starting quarterbacks in week one in the last six seasons. They're 0-5-1 straight up and 0-6 against the spread. So this, again, just goes back to management not being prepared for the start of the season. They rallied way too late. At the very end, they still could have won the thing. But again, missed a field goal. So if you're just able to prep better, you're looking at a far better result. End of the day, still think that the Colts end up having a really, really great season. Uh, They're a four-point favorite going into week two in Jacksonville. Yeah, I like them against Jacksonville. And, you know, the Colts, I had a feeling that we're going to start at a little, a little, oh, this is the last time. All right. I had a feeling that the Colts were going to start out a little rusty. You know, Mike Matt Ryan is just getting used to his offense again. Jonathan Taylor really didn't do too much, you know, at the beginning of the game. So I'm not too – I really – I was I, – I like the Texans a lot to cover. I think I took their over when we were talking about their win totals. I think that they have a lot of good pieces to build around. I think they're a step ahead of a team like the Falcons or the Seahawks in terms of rebuilding. But, you know, I, I thought it was, you know, that's why I don't like laying a lot of points in division matchups to a home team. 
I thought that it would be an easy cover and it ended up being an easy cover. So final game, let's round out. This was my favorite pick of the weekend. And I had the Lions plus four and a half to cover against the Eagles. I thought the Lions could potentially win outright. They came close. They they had a lot of late points, but in the end, you know, their defense let them down. They surrendered 38 points. So what's your takeaway from this game, Robert? Yeah, it's a great, great point. Uh, I know that the Eagles offensive line is tops in the league. You know, they're, they're literally there to blow that line apart every single play. And that's exactly how that offense started to get into, into real, real gear uh, right there from the opening snap, making really giant holes for their run. Really, really lots of time for Hertz to develop the play, make sure he hits the correct target. So the points that they scored. Yeah. That kind of made sense. Uh, with with Detroit coming all the way back from where they were to get a backdoor cover, uh, very impressive. I mean, it's it, it's disappointing for uh, for the Lions franchise and those that follow them. Uh, but you know, at, at the very end, I'm I'm really not surprised with the result being you know how great that offensive line is on Philadelphia. Yeah, you know, I think that if you're a Lions fan, you know, as crushing as the loss is, you come that close. It is optimistic. You know, they have a nice looking offense. I'm on Ross and Brown is every bit of the receiver. We thought he would be, they're going to get Jameson Wilson once he, Jameson Williams, once he's, once he's healthy. So they do have a lot to move forward for, but unfortunately we hit the hour mark. So that is all the time that we have for today, but we will be back later in this week. You know, Robert will give us the lines. We'll give you our best bets. Week two is very interesting. There's a lot of overreaction bets. So, you know, before we sign off, Robert, any other advice, you know, before, as people are starting to look at the lines, the early lines, you know, see what we got for week two? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, here we go once again. Uh, definitely don't overreact to what happened in week one. Make sure that you have your number set as everyone starts to put out there. Now, everyone's got a number out there by now. Make your own number. Compare it against what the market's at. You got yourself a position. Perfectly said. And, you know, for all listeners, just to know, Robert's going to have his weekly power rankings. We're going to release them every Wednesday, I believe. We had them last week. I got some good feedback on those. So, Robert, we're excited to see that. And we will be back, I think, uh, yeah, Wednesday we're going to get together. So we'll have a new episode ready Thursday with all of our best bets, our best picks for your survivor pools. So, Robert, we're in football. And if if week one was any indication, we're going to have a crazy season coming up. See you Wednesday, Allie. Take care. Bye-bye.